Yo, yo, yo. You're listening to H2W Podcast. I'm your co-host, Derek, accompanied by my friends Kevin and Andrew. And welcome back to this week's episode. For this week, we wanted to really dive a little bit deeper into the different kinds of stocks you could potentially see and like the different types, specifically if they're a value or a growth stock. And yeah, we have an interesting discussion lined up for you. And so stay tuned. All right. Uh, welcome back. And thanks for all the people who submitted questions, feedback. Um, we've gone through some of them. And if we haven't reached out to you yet, we're planning to go through them together soon and look forward to uh, future episodes as we're probably going to be talking about some of the questions um, you guys have submitted and all hopefully have experts and people who are knowledgeable about it um, come and join us and have conversations about those topics. Right. So Derek. Uh, why don't you introduce back into the episode? Well, before I do that, I think um, Andrew, Kevin, there's a disclaimer, right? We should, <laughs> we should put a disclaimer. <laughs> Kevin, you want to take this? No, nah, Andrew, you got this. I like your voice right, right. now. <laughs> um, yeah, this is one of our first episodes back talking about stocks. So just a general general disclaimer, general disclaimer that we have. <laughs> 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 okay, we're cutting that. No, we're, we're not. We're keeping that. We're dude. definitely cutting that. Well, the general disclaimer that we have is um, that we're not giving financial advice. Our conversations here are for enter- entertainment purposes only. And if you're looking for financial advice, to go seek a financial advisor. And for tax advice, to go find a CPA. Yes. Thank you, Andrew. Kevin, do you want to kick off yeah. the conversation? So, Derek kind of mentioned that. We're going to be talking about the different types of stocks in the stock market, specifically growth versus uh, value stocks mm-hmm. and what differs between the two and what makes a value stock a value stock and what makes a growth stock a growth stock. And even maybe talk about why stocks could be a stock could be overvalued. Yeah. So let's kick it off by just kind of defining what a value stock is. Derek, do you want to kind of talk about? what a value stock looks like or what what would what, what what does it mean to be a value stock sure or, thing, kevin or maybe even like like yeah what would it mean to be a value stock investor for me i think i probably don't i actually don't know the legit definition mm-hmm. yeah, for that's these, fine. but in my conception of things a value investor is is really looking at companies that might not be like super flashy or might not be very exciting for per se, uh, but more mm-hmm. so companies that have good, they, they, they contribute good value. And what I mean by that is like their products or stuff has like a long horizon and like they might, um, wow. The more I think about it, the more, I, I don't know. Also, it's complex. It's like multifaceted. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think the, that goes into like the different types of analysis that you could do, right? We talked about this in our first episode, how like a fundamental analysis or a fundamental investor could also be a value investor, right? Cause they're looking at like the, the products they produce, how much cash is coming in for each yeah. product. So the margin, um, what's hitting the bottom line. So what's the net income. And then they're they're putting all these things and all these factors together to kind of get how valuable a stock is and if it's like undervalued or if it's considered like valuable. And that's that's gonna change no matter what kind of investor you are and the type of analysis is analyses you do. I guess so, yeah, for me, like if I were to explain this, 
I would just list like companies that kind of, to me, they like represent like a value company. Um, and I'm sure like, just like what you said earlier, like this is probably different for each investor. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. To me, value companies are companies like whenever I ask myself that I, I say, okay, these are companies that are going to be like here for the long run or like they're going to have an impact beyond kind of maybe just now. And to me, it, it would be like Costco or Nike, Apple, I think. And then could you give us like why you think they're a value uh, company or a value stock instead of a growth stock? Yeah, um, I'm sure they they have room to grow, right? That's I, like when you say growth stock, I think I think of companies that are growing like at a more rapid pace than these mm-hmm. companies are. Um, Apple, it's it's kind of a big company and it's been a while around for a long time, a wound. Um, <laughs> and and I say this because it's kind of like there's value in that in the sense that Apple as a brand has come to be what it is right it's come to establish itself in their Mm -hmm. market as like a leader and so has costco and and so has like nike right these are apparel brands that have really established their throne kind of in their place in whatever market that they're in and i expect to see them kind of continue to be there i think there's value in their company just by being in that space Mm -hmm. um and then if i were to loop that back to what i think a growth company would be are companies that are kind of emerging in a growing field or growing industry. And so currently I think we're seeing a lot of tech boom. We're seeing a lot of companies that are popping up here and there from the tech tech side. And so uh, like, I guess a growth company would be like Square, PayPal, um, or not PayPal, PayPal is kind of old, I think. <laughs> but Square. Um, wow, or, you have something against <laughs> PayPal? No, I just don't think, well, in my opinion, I didn't think, I don't look at them as like a super, super, growth but although if you say fintech in general could be a potential growth sure. industry in the sure. future then anything that falls under fintech financial technology mm-hmm. um would be considered that um but yeah to me it'd be like maybe like even tesla could be a growth stock as well why why, why uh could why be? maybe yeah why maybe <laughs> okay because in my opinion <laughs> i think tesla is overpriced and Damn. that maybe the industry that they're in they're being overvalued Okay. What okay. We can, yeah, we can talk about like overvaluations later too, right? For sure. So let's let's bring this back to Andrew because like we're gonna see like very different views on value and growth invest or just like what we see as a value or growth stock. So like <laughs> Andrew, what do you think? What do you consider a value stock? Um, I think I'd, I I think I'd agree with some of the characteristics and most of the characteristics that Derek Derek listed out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something else I would add on to that is. Generally speaking, um, maybe a good way for our listeners to kind of conceptualize what an example of a value stock is that makes maybe um, make it helps define a line between value and growth is looking at institutions that have been around and um, have been profitable and have been paying dividends. And so what I mean by that is um, what generally speaking, when a company is paying dividends, they're having a lot of cash come in in terms of um the excess free cash flow they have, and they're basically not reinvesting it, but giving it back to shareholders and people who own the company, right? Right. And so I traditionally, you look at banks, you look at telecom, you look at um, kind of some of these bigger institutions that have been, been around, have been profitable, um, that aren't looking to kind of reinvent or maybe um, invent something new. 
Mm -hmm. Generally, we're seeing those companies are defined those as growth and I oh, sorry value mm -hmm. and growth. I think like Derek said, Tesla is a great example of a growth company that's really pushing boundaries. It could be, could be growth. It is growth. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I said could be. So he's just saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would say that Tesla is a good example of a growth company, and um, you know their profit their profit margins aren't that great. Their financials. Um, you know, they're not too hot and that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty garbage, but Hey, the, I believe in the future that uh, they hold and mm -hmm. they're reinvesting a lot of their, um, their profit back into their company. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's something that like a growth investor would look for is right. Reinvesting in people, uh, you know, companies that are doing a lot of R and D and right. Yeah. Do when you're looking at, uh growth investing you guys both mentioned like reinvesting or just like creating something new but what about like what comes or what hits the bottom line are you guys looking for that to be growing like at a certain rate between like a value or a growth company what do you mean by like like when we're looking at the company's stock like is it mm -hmm. growing at like a certain pace or more like the the income that's coming in so like if you're looking at revenue so that's the easiest one, right? Because revenues before all their expenses. Are you expecting revenue to be increasing at a certain amount every year for it to, for you to classify it as a, a growth company? Because I think that would make it a little easier for other people to understand. Like if they looked at the numbers and it's like growing right. at an X percentage every year, you would consider that more of a growth company than a, a value company. I'll take a first stab. Sure. I think... Um... This is uh, obviously, I think there's probably some traditional metric or definition to really mm -hmm. find these. Um, but from what I learned from reading and also talking to people who are in this space, um, generally it's looking at your, the income. So a lot of times these growth companies, not all of them, um, generally aren't profitable. So they yeah, have to nothing. take a turning point um, to you know make more revenue than expense. Mm -hmm. um, but there are, I think, big tech, you know, technically is still considered growth companies as they're reinvesting a lot. And um, so it is kind of weird. I don't know if there's like a, I don't think I know of a very like hard definition of what a growth company is and what, what metrics or what financials um, really determines that. There's probably a lot, right? Yeah, there's, there, it depends on the person, right? Because I think one of the, the ones that we bring up a lot is Kathy Wood. She expects a 20% increase in, I think, revenue every year from the company, which equates to about a doubling every five years, I think, or every few years. Mm -hmm. I forget how it, it goes exactly, but... Yeah, I think I heard something similar. Yeah. Right. So then, that's, like, like, that's for her, that's what a growth company is, right? Because it... I don't know if it's a growth company per se, but it's definitely a criteria for uh, a stock to enter her her holdings. That's true. But essentially, that's a growth company, right? Because all yeah, basically yeah. all of Kathy's Woods... Companies would never be classified as a value company in most right. cases. Maybe in the future, right? Because like mm -hmm. Derek talked about it, where like if they're a longstanding institution, they become a value company eventually. Right. And actually, I, I just took a peek at you know, the definitions for value and growth. And I think it, to kind of like better communicate the point that I was trying to say earlier about like the, what kind of companies or what they fall under, generally like when you're an investor and you're coming into look at a company and you're having these speculations about it, right? Of what it should be worth and whatnot. So generally like for growth companies, the idea is that you're looking at a company that you think is actually trading 
at like a value that is less than what the company is actually worth. And so you think there is value in that, that the mm -hmm. company is not being realized for, it's like, basically you're getting it at a discount. You see this company as a discount. Mm -hmm. um, whereas when you're looking at stocks that are considered a growth company, um, you might not be seeing kind of, you're not looking at the same ratios of like their price to earnings or their cash flows really, but you're looking at the horizon of, Ooh. is there potential for growth basically, right? That's why they're right. called growth stock. And so you're, you're making, instead of speculating that they're undervalued, you're speculating that they're going to increase by a lot in value mm -hmm. because of whatever they're doing. Um, and so generally because of how that is classified between growth and value, um, growth, um, value stocks, sorry, value and value companies are generally more well-established. They pay out dividends and they're just like companies that a lot of people know about, I guess, are generally fall under that category. And then for growth they're because you're trying to expect them to outperform the market and outperform where they're doing currently, then they're generally like not a lot of people know about them or stuff like that. And so it's kind of like, you're looking for different things within a company. On one end, if you're like a value, you're looking for a company that is trading lower than what it should be. And you're trying to get that. And then the other one's like, Oh, no one knows about this company. It's a growth company. It's about to grow. And so then you're looking at kind of that angle. A quick hot take real quick. Yeah. I'm taking Andrew's time, but <laughs> why would you want a company that gives you a dividend? Because technically, from what you guys are both saying, that they don't really know what to reinvest into their company anymore. So they're just giving you out free money. So technically, or they're making out so much money that <laughs> they can give it out. But then why won't they reinvest to grow? Right. So like, why did? So like, why would you want to invest into a company that kind of seems like they've kind of seen their growth horizon kind of like shrink in their eyes at least? Because they're giving you out free money essentially for holding the stock. This is an open question. Yeah, open question. Whoever wants to okay. take this hot take. I think that once a company gets to a certain size or business gets to a certain size, um, I think it's really hard to reinvest all your net income into something that shareholders would be happy about, right? Mm -hmm. You right. can say you're using like 100 million in R&D, but mm -hmm. in reality, how much of the 100 million is really effective in bringing about growth, right? And in yeah. some spaces, I would argue, um, you know, some of the older institutions like banking, there's only so much you can do with the profit that you, you have, right? Well, okay. So with banking as an old institution, right? The reason that all these fintech companies kind of stepped in was because these banking institutions didn't innovate, right? Yeah, I think that might be a bad example. It's because it's <laughs> well, an I mean, industry that's about to... I don't think it's a bad example. I'm saying traditionally, like that's that's the way that banks... Like yeah, yeah, operate, I understand. Right? I understand that. Yeah. But then, like, why wouldn't you, as a bank, kind of like take away from your dividends and use it to reinvest at this point? If you see like fintech kind of taking over, I'm sure they have X. They're probably sitting on so much cash, Kevin. I'm sure if they wanted to wow. take initiative, no, I'm serious. These, if you look at some of the financial statements of the, of uh, of some of these large banks in America, mm -hmm. it's insane how much with how much cash they sit on. Obviously, mm -hmm. a lot of it goes back to customers, but right. I mean, regardless, they're the, what they're holding, their assets is, is incredible. Okay. Right? Okay. So what about like a large company like, like Coca-Cola? Oh yeah. Coca-Cola. Well, Coca-Cola has been reinvesting a little more into like their R&D, right? They're, they've kind of stepped out into other brands and not even R&D. They could also be using that cash to, to acquisitions. So they've kind of acquired other companies. That's another way of spending mm -hmm. money. Um, the other example is like 
with a large company. There's Amazon. So Amazon doesn't give out a dividend. And they're, I think they're the second or third largest uh, company on the stock market. So are you saying that everyone's kind of happy with the way Amazon's reinvesting? And so then they're allowing them to kind of give out dividends or not not giving out dividends? I feel like that's pretty directed towards me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Just go ahead. Like, um, why do you think like certain companies have the leverage? Okay, uh, let me maybe talk talk about something that we can all talk about, uh, like yeah. Apple, right? So, yeah, I think we all know that Apple is like very success, very su- very successful <laughs> at entering different, you know, introducing new products into the market, right? Yeah, right. And so, and you can see what they're doing in terms of adding different uh, revenue streams by going into new ventures or mm-hmm. um, adding new subscription um, mm-hmm. services. Uh, they even announced that they're going to work on an Apple car. True. Like they're, True. they started off making what Mac personal computers. Like that's, that's insane. Right. Yeah. And so um, there's companies like that, like that are technically growth companies, mm-hmm. but even though they're spending all this money on, you know, things like Apple TV or, um, Apple car, mm-hmm. they still have excess money, right? But wouldn't you say it's, they could have developed these things quicker if they had the extra cash? Like if they didn't give out a dividend, do you think the iPhone would be so stagnant for the last few years? I think that people who are executives at Apple are no way better than me <laughs> in terms of how to <laughs> well, use that. Okay, I'm just going to say, I've, I don't know how to allocate a billion dollar in cash. I'll just say yeah, that yeah, up yeah. front. I don't think if anyone here says that they do, you're driven right yeah yeah it's a lot of money and i think i think in terms of the effectiveness and how far you can you know adding an extra 100 million will go i think they probably have an idea of what that actually does Mm -hmm. no yeah i i agree like i personally agree but there it's definitely difficult to allocate all that money that's why this is a hot take right because like i mean as an investor i love the dividend Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the points of having a dividend. Yeah, right? I think that might company. be a reason too of why they do yeah. it is to attract investors. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that also brings in more cash flow, right? Because then they can like buy back shares or they can sell out more shares. And that that uh, that raises cash for the company. So I, I, I agree with dividends to a certain extent. But you could also argue that like it takes away from R&D. It takes away from... Uh, acquisitions that could be beneficial to the company which could limit their growth if you're investing into dividend paying companies right mm. i've also heard that acquisitions are artificial like ways True. of growing right so it, i think it's i don't think it's clear-cut and maybe True. that's a good answer to land at yeah i, I agree and also i just want to say that these guys know how to manage millions of dollars we don't right like <laughs> maybe someday Maybe someday, maybe someday. <laughs> definitely not billions, dog. I don't. <laughs> maybe if any someday. of us become billionaires, I think it'll be a very, very different uh, life what we had. Have. <laughs> it's kind of cool to think about that. About like we are the mini them. We're we're managing, you know, small amounts of money. But it's like the habits and the lessons that we learn now. It's like what's gonna carry us and prepare us to manage more and more money. Yeah, because our our models gotta scale, right? They were in yeah, positions at some point. Like we're exactly, exactly. They were broke. I mean, most of the tech companies were broke college students. There's Maybe a quote right from now. Charlie Munger. Oh, no, sorry. No, what did you say, on. Kevin? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was gonna um, say there's a quote from Charlie Munger 
who's like uh like one of the like uh investor basically who the legendary investor one yeah, of the legendary along investors. with like warren buffett and stuff yeah um his quote is basically about how like the first one hundred thousand dollars that any investor tries to accumulate is like hard like af and like but you just got to do it is is basically what the quote says because after that it like he quote unquote basically says like it gets a little easier, um, but he basically says like with, when you're trying to accumulate that money in that phase from zero to like 100k, that's when like you it's easy to be discouraged or easy to look elsewhere mm-hmm. and like leave your strategy or whatnot because it's just so hard. But, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a grind, right? Yeah, I, I mean like there's the whole like you've talked about this in another episode where if you follow the four percent rule, you can make a certain amount of money, right? At uh, like a million dollars, you could be making what forty k a year, mm-hmm. but then four percent a year if you only had a thousand dollars is like, is nothing forty dollars. So and it just yeah, it yeah. looks more discouraging, right? When you're at low amounts of money, right? And, and, and it just doesn't work as well, or like it doesn't work for you as much as forty k would have worked for you if you had a million. Yeah, and that's because of compounding, basically, which is like you know if you read about like investing stuff, it's like the idea that a lot of us don't know, like humans aren't trained to think exponentially. Like we think very well linearly, like we know what like two times, three times the speed would look like. But if we say like, oh, what's what's like the speed cubed or quadrupled, you know, to the fourth, to the fifth, like it, it doesn't really like make sense in our head or we don't really like um, can, can picture that. And like the example that someone gave was like, if you take a piece of paper, like a like an A4 paper, and like eight by 11 or whatever right and you folded that in half uh like 25 times how how long how thick like obviously that's not possible but how how long <laughs> would that piece of paper end up being mm-hmm. and then people would shoot out guesses like oh like a foot long five feet long six feet long but actually the answer is if you did that 25 like basic to the exponent of 25 then the length of that paper would be long enough from the earth to the sun and that's like insane basically it's like it's like our minds just don't Mm-hmm. think exponentially and that's mm-hmm. basically what happens when you have the effect of compounding at like seven percent or four percent like even mm-hmm. at low percentages if the number is big enough it will just kind of it's like an avalanche and it just kind of keeps snowballing up yeah so then that goes back to like do we want compounding with value stocks or growth stocks because mm-hmm. like so gr- value stocks you, the benefit is that most of them pay a dividend so that that dividend gets reinvested and gets compounded again. Mm. Whereas growth stocks, we get like their their revenue growth and then their market share growth. And that in our speculation is going to increase our our portfolio growth. So like which one do you guys like kind of either gravitate towards or kind of like invest more towards? I mean, I kind of know ish, but go ahead. Andrew, you want to start or do you want me to go? Uh, I can go. Uh, I, I would say that one benefit of, I guess one downside, maybe we'll start with that, of value stocks is that when you are paid a dividend, you're getting taxed, especially if it's, you're not holding it in a tax sheltered account. True. And so even with the compound interest, um, you, you're looking at, um, yeah, you're looking at basically compound interest after getting taxed initially, right? So whatever you're... I mean, sorry. how bad could tax be, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <You're>, I mean, 
if I mean, if you, you know, if like if you got graduated with a secondary degree, I think, um, you know, if if this is like what you're trying to uh, grow your account, grow your investment with um, mm-hmm. outside of taxable account, it, I think it will hurt. Yeah, it will hurt. I, no, I, I don't think I looked at the calculations exactly. Um, but one of the added benefits is it's not as volatile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of its uh, its valuation, uh, not valuation, sorry, the value on the stock market. Um, and then for growth stocks, you have it the other way, um, where you don't get dividends, um, and most of the added value or capital gain is coming from the um, growth in its value in the market, and it's going to be more definitely more volatile than most. Uh, value stocks mm-hmm. quick question but if you reinvest the dividends that you pay you don't you don't get taxed on that again do you so you do so i actually i that's a good question because i i was um i basically set up my company uh stock plan to use drip i believe it's called dividend reinvestment plan or plan. something like that plan, plan, yeah. yeah dividend reinvestment uh, plan and so I basically what happens is with the dividends you get from your current holdings of that stock um, after tax, because technically receiving a dividend is a taxable event mm-hmm. um, outside of a tax uh, tax sheltered account, yep. you use that after tax um, money from the dividend towards basically buying another stock of it. Yeah. So that's the way, that's the way you could com- compound, but there is mm-hmm. still a taxable event that happens oh. when you receive mm-hmm. the dividend. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. Because they're they're essentially just giving you cash, so it's an it's a source of income, and then we can also talk about that because like dividends are taxed differently. So we did yeah. to say talk to a CPA when you're like talking about taxes, but <laughs> taxes in the U.S. when it comes to dividends for like individuals, I think it's zero percent from zero to forty thousand, and then forty thousand of eighty whatever thousand. It's like or a hundred something thousand. It's uh, 15%. So it's definitely taxed better than the normal capital gains tax. So that's the other benefit of getting a dividend because you just don't get taxed the same. There's like special treatment. Um, so I don't know. It's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Like when I, when I think about taxes, um, and where you kind of incur these taxes, there's like income that you make and you're taxed on that and generally the idea is that what a lot of people don't know is that the money that you make so the profits that you're earning from your job are being taxed at like an insane amount when you compare it to like capital gains or like if you're a business and like how much you can get taxed off just for being a business um it's like basically there's not a lot of room for you to be smart with tax choices if you're getting all of your profits from uh, earned income where you're trading in your time you're working and you're getting paid like that because there's taxes like basically everywhere and the percentages are, are very high like 20 percent basically or something up, up, up upwards of that mm-hmm. um, when kevin was mentioning capital gains taxes like 15 or or, or even less. less for some yeah. cases yeah. yeah and and then the other thing is like there's like the federal tax laws that applies to like everyone. And then each state has their own additional kind of taxes. So like some states might not do any additional taxes on capital gains, but yeah, we have no taxes in Washington. Exactly. Yep. Y'all shouldn't come here though. It's kind of crowded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, housing's rough anyways. (laughs) 
I don't know. I I I personally like growth stocks a little more. Value definitely has its benefits. I think it has more benefits in tax sheltered accounts because, like what Andrew mentioned, right, with dividends, you're still taxed on that. So unless it's in a tax sheltered account, it kind of kind of hurts. Like right. I did taxes recently, so that that kind of hurt. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> but with growth stocks, technically, it's all paper gains until you cash out, right? So you're not getting taxed on it. You're not getting like none of it is being touched mm-hmm. until you like they're not out. taking away my wealth until I decide to use that wealth for something, right? That's that's the way I view it. I don't know about you guys. I agree. Yeah, but I think I guess my comment to value or growth would be like, like who says you have to pick one, right? I think it's like true. It could be like a diversification kind of thing. Like I think if you see the arguments for both sides. There's definitely no harm, and if if anything, it's like you're risk adversing yourself if you're doing both. If like you can identify companies that you think are considered a value company, at the same time looking over at the growth side and then picking those, I think if you have enough conviction behind how you're deciding whether these companies deserve basically your you becoming a shareholder, um, then I think it's great that you have both a company that pays dividends and a company that has expected high growth returns of outperforming the market and stuff like mm-hmm. that that's also a good point because uh some stocks are actually value or undervalued stocks and their growth stocks I all see. in one and then like we've been mentioning dividends a lot dividends aren't like a requirement to be a value stock it's just mm-hmm. something that they kind of have but like a growth stock could be a value stock at some point in their lifespan because like um like a, an example of a long time ago, like we, we've talked about this before, but it has been offline, but Netflix used to be considered a value stock for a long time, but then they were growing behind the scenes. No one kind of knew about it. And eventually they just evolved to being a growth stock and, or like in the eyes of like Wall Street and other people, it became a growth stock, but essentially it was a value stock. It was super undervalued for a long time. So, um, I don't think there's like a clear separation between the two or like we shouldn't create that clear separation because it's not, there isn't really. Mm. Right. Right. We can only find patterns that maybe fit generally in categories. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's probably why Derek thinks uh, Tesla's overvalued, right? (laughs) I'm looking at the wrong pieces of data. I'm like looking (laughs) over here. Everyone's looking over here. I mean, on that note, um, one of the characteristics of growth companies is that their PE ratio is generally high or higher than those that are... Um, or they can be stocks. infinite because they make no money. <laughs> yeah, or they don't... NA, it shows up at NA. <laughs> no earnings. Yahoo Finance. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, banks, Canadian banks, for example, like uh, CIBC, um, Bank of Montreal, uh Royal Bank of Canada, they're, I think, I believe their P ratio floats between like 11 and 13. Dude, that's low. It's low, but it, it remember, it's a, it's a value stock, right? And yeah. then you look at, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to butcher this, but I think uh, Microsoft and Apple are somewhere in the range of 40. Uh, 40 I think they come back down a little bit since we've been really? pulling back in the market. I think we're around 35. Yeah. 35. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like in that range. So yeah. definitely like, it's like three times, right? They're mm-hmm. being priced at three times for their more earnings. Uh, their earnings more than th- those banks are, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Which I, I think it's fair, right? Because like certain sectors should be priced at a multiple more than others. 
Because um, an example I like to use, uh, waste management <laughs> yeah. is, is, is necessary for society, but like they don't really make or they can't. I mean, I don't know how they would monetize more so than they are right now. So yeah. there's no real point in paying a higher multiple for their profits. It's true. Right. And another thing, it's like when you're an investor and you're, you know, you're kind of overwhelmed with all these different options of what stocks to pick, kind of the point I'm trying to illustrate is like when certain companies are growing and they're trading at like really high PE ratios. um, If you're like a value investor, you might not exactly be looking at that industry or that sector. You'd be looking away because in the stock market, um, it's run by like people, right? Like people are contributing, putting money in and out and those to some extent also affect the prices. And so maybe like the entire market is overlooking a certain industry that you might think it's coming up. Like, I know like the energy industry is like kind of just kind of been there. It hasn't really seen like insane amount of growth, but like, but I think that's just because it's being overshadowed currently with the tech boom and like all these tech stocks going up. And so the focus isn't really on them. Um, but if you're a value investor, you might be starting to look at some of those companies and saying like, Hey, like, I think this is a great company, but it's, it's like trading so low in comparison to what I think it's worth. And then boom, that's how you find your value pick kind of. Mm-hmm. So I mean, go ahead. Yeah. So like, I guess um, follow up question to what Derek said was, how do you determine whether it's undervalued? Right. So I think we've been throwing that around in, this, in our conversation and I'm sure there's many ways to find that out, but um, maybe an example would be good for people. An example of, an I think we mentioned stuff. one key statistic, which is the PE ratio, right? It's like, you're looking at how much this company is generating in earnings and how much it's trading at in comparison to maybe other companies in its industry or other Mm -hmm. companies on the stock market. And if you realize like this company is making way more revenue and earnings in comparison to company B um, and it's trading at a cheaper price than company B, then the first company that you looked at is probably at a good deal. And Mm -hmm. then you can do more research into like how the companies run. Is there any like scandal? Like why is it trading at such a low value and stuff like that? And generally, with the internet of things now, like we can literally look up a bunch of stuff and there's relevant current events. And so you can kind of get a feel for the the climate of the company and also by looking at their financial sheets and you're looking at, you know, just even that PE ratio. And I'm sure there's other characteristics and statistics you can look at. Um, but that's already a great indication of you found a company that's quote unquote, like at a discount. Mm-hmm. Could you guys think of a, an example of an undervalued company in like recent time? Recent time, yeah. Like recent the time. Stock market has been like, yeah, yeah. Recent time. Maybe we we have to go back a few years. It's mm. kind of hard. I think the recent time. I think the most recent one I could think of was Apple a few years ago, or maybe not a few years ago, but when definitely when Steve Jobs passed, because there was a lot of speculation that Apple couldn't move forward without Steve Jobs, right? Because that's one of the uh, key points of fundamental analysis. Mm-hmm. Like, is it, um, what's it called? Is it founder-led or they have a strong CEO? So right. not, not a lot of people kind of like believed in Tim Cook in the, back in the day. And they didn't also believe in the ecosystem of iOS and Apple and how they can kind of monetize that. So they kind of were underplayed for a long time. 
like definitely a long time until recently. Now they're the most valuable company in the world. So I think that's the most recent example. And that took them seven years to come out of it, right? They were undervalued right. for so long. And, and now they're a little... Specific to Apple, though, it's like um, a lot of the investors didn't quite... Because tech companies were so new. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really treating Apple as a tech company. They were treating Apple more of like a consumer brand. Or like, like even a, a manufacturer. Yeah, or a manufacturing products. company. Yeah. Exactly. And so... I guess in each different industry, you would expect PE ratios, you expect those key statistics to kind of be different depending on what industry and what kind of products they they sell and, and they represent. And so I think oftentimes that's kind of a good place to look at is if you think that their business model is actually different than how the majority of the people are classifying it, and then you compare it to the respective business model and the respective industry that you think the company plays into, then it's a great way for you to find like, Hey, like generally tech companies trade at PE ratios that are like 30 and above 30 and up. And how come like this one is like just hanging below at like 12 or 20. And then Mm -hmm. that's kind of a good indication as well. Right. A lot of people did that back in the day with Apple though. Did you know that? No, I would look at the PE of Apple and be like, this is, this PE is like, I think it used to trade at a 15 to 20 PE, which is crazy to think about nowadays. But everyone was like, Oh, that's like, the max it could go like, yeah yeah it's just but, like what were they selling back in the day like they must no, no, been- this wasn't even back in the day this was they were selling at a 15 to 20 pe back in 2018 wow that's crazy yeah because <laughs> they didn't believe in the the subscription model of like uh oh they didn't have a solid subscription model yet but it, you can kind of see that they were going towards that direction sure because with apple like they've always sold products so they've always had that as a like a huge Revenue cost on, of goods, right? So their margin couldn't be that big in their eyes. I see, I see. Right, right. But then when software came in, you know, tech is like something else. <laughs> There's infinite yeah, margin. Margin, margin. Margin can can get to almost like 99%. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> theoretical, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, theoretically, it's unbounded. Right? Uh, but that's the, there's another thing. So this is a quick rant about what Derek mentioned earlier about how the stock market likes to focus on certain sectors at different times. And like the most recent example, I'm kind of biased, but like, I really like tech, but there was a <laughs> point where like a few weeks ago, the whole market was like, Oh, we're in, we're in the recovery mode. Everyone's going back out, sell out of all tech. And then like the whole, like all media and everyone was just like sell tech and buy recovery stocks. But do do you realize how stupid that is? It's like you're literally selling at a discount and you're buying at a premium. Yeah. Because now you're trying to ride the wave, right? You had to and then, be way earlier. Yeah. And it's just like, they're telling everyone to do this. And then like two days later, tech goes crazy and then recovery goes down. And then all the analysts, analysts, quote unquote analysts, are like, tech is, tech is, there's nothing, tech is not going to go away. Recovery is there, but it's not going to go away. Tech is going to be back. It's just like, What's the point of this? This happened within a two-day like span. Like, did anything change? Any change in the model, the company? Nothing really changed, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say that it definitely panders to those who are looking to make a move, you know, with the market or before True. the market, right? like so, day trading. Yeah, day traders or people who just like start freaking out because you know they're like bought into a company they're not so sure about. They didn't do any research about. Mm-hmm. Now they're hearing that there's other companies that people are moving their money to, and True. guess what? He had no conviction holding that stock, so pay for hands. 
paper hands. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. It's like, I think as an investor, it's crucial that before you begin, you have a a strategy you're ready to implement, whether that's active, passive, and then whatever company or index you're looking at and you're planning to purchase. And then having that conviction to stick with that because investing is 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 it's a long-term so, game. Yeah, it's a long-term game and it's so easily I think influenced especially with social media, with the news and like if you don't have the gut for it, I think it's very easy for you to forget the concepts of what it means to buy high and sell low. You know, generally like we want to do we 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 want to do the opposite of that. We want to buy things that are low and we want to sell them when they're, you know, at a good pr- or a good price above what you bought it. But generally when everyone's freaking out and telling you like, oh, sell out of tech, it's because tech is at a high and they think that, you know, you need to sell out of that and buy other stocks that might have already gone up. And so you're kind of doing the opposite. And so having mm-hmm. that and being able to check yourself and seeing if like, oh, is this a good reason or am I just kind of being fluttered by mm-hmm. just the ticker symbol or just yeah. the, the, the line going up and down, you know? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like the stock market is the only place where unhappy to buy high or unhappy to buy low. Yeah. Rather than like buying at a, like why would we want our, to invest when it's like at an all time high? It makes no sense. Yeah. That's like, why we why go to would Costco. You... Yeah. We don't want to buy bananas <laughs> that are like $5. We want to buy bananas that are like $3 and we buy more of them because they're cheaper. Yeah, exactly. The same thing with stocks, right? You want to buy more and have that grow. It makes mm-hmm. no sense to buy at a high. All right. Okay, that's that, that's like it, very general. Conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very general. But it, it I think media kind of spooks people into like thinking like this, right? Because they're like, y'all should buy into the next hype. And that's the whole thing with media, right? It's just like hype is everything. And if you're not within the hype, you're not cool and you're not making money. You make right. money. Um, if anything, you're helping the people behind the scenes make a lot of money because you're following the hype. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're the reason why hedge funds <laughs> they're making so much money in the option place. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, I think one thing I would say is um, doing your due diligence helps you have that conviction, right? The conviction mm-hmm. doesn't come out of nowhere. Right? It's not like I believe Tesla because Elon Musk tweeted the other day that FSD is going to come out by the end of the year, right? Uh, it comes from you know doing your due diligence, you know, and that, that means uh, different things for different people. Um, that probably includes looking at their financial statements, looking at you know, the technologies or you know, their business model and seeing where they're going to um, grow in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when you do that, you know, do that for yourself, not just read other people's um, analysis of a company or a stock, you're more likely to hold it even when the market is moving it up and down. Right? Mm-hmm. There's more confidence. And that's not to say you'll be right 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. It just means that you're not just going to ride the wave that the market is going to tell you to go. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. And honestly, this, this does, it, if it does, if it sounds like it's a lot of work, it actually is a lot of work to do all your due diligence. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, like most most cases, I would agree with Derek in terms of like starting with like a simple strategy with ETFs and then just getting yourself into the market and then just slowly investing. And if you if you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, the stock market's really cool. I kind of want to pick my own stocks, like a friend of mine. You, Well, okay, do more research than they did, but you know, 
all all for you but um but if you like if you, you get it, it builds confidence by being in the market so just like start with a simple strategy it doesn't have to be complex and just kind of move in i don't know like i didn't really take a simple step but i kind of just like hopped in because i'm kind of just like that yeah i mean just have a small position you don't need to you don't need to like buy your change your whole entire portfolio into individual stocks just true true yeah, small allocations and then when you feel comfortable yeah go one more most of you guys who are listening who are beginners should start with etfs highly recommended even though i think they're in a bubble at some point but i mean etfs meaning like index tracking etfs right yeah, index track. I believe in ARC. <laughs> yeah. like, don't, don't, don't talk smack about ARC. ARC is interesting. I like ARC too, but they're, they, you, you should definitely do your research in all their positions, which is kind of hard. They have a lot. Or you just trust Kathy Wood a lot or their researches. Or at least just like, there's just different things you can research. So you can research their re- researchers. Wow, that's kind of meta. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah. We do, though. Yeah. Um, I guess to wrap up, maybe we can go around and share, you know, what our thoughts are and maybe our own personal strategies or outlooks on, pa- not passive, sorry, um, value or growth stocks and, you know, where, what, how does that play into our own timelines and what we want? For sure. That will eventually change, by the way. This is definitely not set in stone. Yeah, this is a living, living diary. Andrew, you want to go first? He asked okay. a question, uh, right? Yeah, I definitely asked a question <laughs> I'll close off. How about you start us off, Derek? Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. My name is Derek, and I'm the punter. Pew! Kick off. Okay. <laughs> what is going on? Um, here's my take on value and growth. I think it's all part of me continuously learning more about investing. I think, as Kevin mentioned earlier, um, I feel that I currently don't have all the knowledge, all the preparation I to make me comfortable in terms of picking an individual stock. And so to get myself kind of simplifying this idea of investing for me, um, the ideas of index investing made a lot of sense where you have basically all these stocks and buckets and they're tracking a certain index. And so for me, that's been a great strategy for me that I'm sticking with and I'm convicted about, right? We, we talked about conviction. And so that's just where I'm at currently. And the idea of how growth and value comes in is this is like that next step. It's like once I feel comfortable or as I am looking ahead into picking individual stocks because I believe that I can outperform the market, um, then value and growth is a perfect kind of first step into looking at different companies and categorizing them so that they are ready for further analysis. Um, and so the idea of value and growth are just concepts that people have to kind of help better simplify companies so you're not just naming off names and specific companies and specific stat- statistics. You're, you're being able to categorize them and organizing it in a way that makes sense to you. Um, and so currently value and growth does make sense to me, but then it's the things that I have to do after I identify a company as a value or growth company that are still, I'm a bit hesitant on my abilities and proficiency in determining a, a result that I'm convicted on. And so if anything, this is like a great conversation for me to kind of gain more in, inspiration and more kind of knowledge in terms of what I can do next and where I can look at next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for me, this is Kevin. I don't know why we're saying names, but <laughs> I said names because I, I was the hunter. I'm kicking it. Off. <laughs> I I adhere to the the principle of uh, of growth investing a lot more just because of I think when we're in the stage of life we are in, where we're in our early twenties, we have such a long uh, time horizon that these growth companies are going to be popping up and like they're going to be kind of uh growing as uh, along with me in terms of my my life in terms like so wow this is complicated (laughs) so my idea is that i can kind of just see what's growing in my daily life so that I can kind of move into those sectors in terms of like investing. So an example is with Tesla, I can kind of see my life in the future where I would be driving electric cars where I don't have to pay for gas and where I don't even have to drive a car actually, like just autopilot, you know, Mm -hmm. that'd be nice. I hate driving. So (laughs) I can see that in my future, right? So then I would obviously pick a company like that. And it's more enticing for me as somebody that is invested solely in a specific company to kind of follow up on the company, to see what they're doing, to do the research in comparison to like doing an ETF like Derek, where I have a bunch of companies I have to look into. I don't have time for that. So like, I'd rather just focus on companies I actually care about. Not, not a knock against ETF investing, but I'm just saying. Another example is like, um, uh, what was it? Like just fintech stocks, right? I I don't think we're gonna be with living in a day where we're all gonna be using cash forever, and there's gonna be a point where we're gonna be using different ways to transact on the internet, either with cryptocurrencies or with uh, with payment you like distributors like PayPal or. I don't know what to call them, but with PayPal or Square, they're going to be facilitating all these payments. So, or that kind of counteracts the, the cryptocurrencies, huh? But they're going to be kind of facilitating these things. Someone's going to be doing it. It's, it's not going to be like the, the traditional banks or mm-hmm. or uh, through cash. So I, I like these companies and I like learning about these companies. So, and they just kind of fall into the categories of growth because they're growing with me. And that kind of goes back to like, you know, growing alongside me in terms mm-hmm. of life. So that's what I like. And I hope it makes me a lot of money someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me, when you look at, I know past results don't define future results. But um, I mean, there's, there's definitely patterns you can extrapolate forward. And I think one of them is that... Um, a lot of these growth companies have or are adding revenue streams and are growing businesses. And so um, even if they are trading at, uh, you know, higher PE ratios, like I think for the most part, like Kevin said, when you look at the time horizon that we're investing and that we're not planning to, um, you know, sell off our positions, I think it kind of makes sense to be with, okay with having larger um, holdings of uh, growth stocks. Um, I'm, I think I've, I'd say I align myself more with Kevin in that I I also believe that um, there are technologies around me that I'm seeing that are emerging and kind of disrupting spaces that were traditionally held by 
um, you know, certain companies for decades, if not like hundreds of years, right? And so, um, you know, I it is speculative. I, I don't think I would be right to say it's not. Um, but but it's more definitely, fun. I'm not. I'm not a gambler, sir. It's not gambling. <laughs> but if you say fun, it kind of it kind of implies that there's <laughs> some kind of uh, some kind of thrill in doing something that you're not sure of. I'm not. Anyways, I, who says I'm not sure? Okay. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> that is to say, um, for my, I think there will be a time where I'll probably have to rebalance, um, depending on my strategy and you know where I'm at in my life and how much I need to pull out to kind of finance my own life. But right now, I don't see um, that being anytime soon. So, uh, you know, I, I'm okay with the volatility that comes with growth stocks and I'm okay not receiving dividends. Um, it's kind of like where I'm at today. Nice. So to wrap things up, I want to ask our audience to kind of guess what type of analysis do you think each of us kind of adheres to? You guys can probably get a vibe from it if you guys know the different types of analysis. So just send us a comment, send us a, an email saying, guessing mine, Derek's or Andrew's investment style, investment analysis techniques. See, I'll, I'll, we'll let you guys know who gets it right or whoever's really close. And we yeah. want to hear from you. Like, exactly. what are you interested in? Like hearing our talks, like has a stimulated interest in a certain style of investing. And are you looking more into Kevin's strategy, Andrew's strategy, my strategy? Do um, they know our strategies though? Yeah, if they know. But if not, like, yeah, just share us. Like, we want to hear from you, I think. Um, so I think that's what we're trying to get at. It's like mm-hmm. starting that community. And like, we, we've loved all the messages and support that we've gotten so far. And we look forward to hearing, you know, hearing from more of you guys, from y'all. I've been trying not to say guys anymore, but I want to say like yo, you all, but guys. Y'all. Yeah. It's more inclusive. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. See you guys in the next episode. We out. Peace.